There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the former Chelsea defender, Scott Minto, and TalkSport's chief football correspondent, it's Alex Crook. Uh, coming up, we'll bring you the latest from the transfer window as Liverpool's midfield rebuild continues to take shape. Manchester City look to bolster their defence with the capture of Croatian star Josip Guardiol, all for the cost of around about £86 million. And we take a closer look at Spurs and Aston Villa ahead of the new season. Plus, England's young Lions make it through to the semi-finals of the Under-21 European Championship with pretty much a very good campaign up until the last 45 minutes. It's the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport. Hello, Scott. Hello, Crookie. How are we? You okay? Morning, Sam. Uh, we're okay. We're just making sure that you're okay. You look a little bit stressed. I don't know why. I am stressed. I am stressed. The internet connection here is uh, is not the best. And I must admit, um, I had a little bit of a tiz um, because um, after being able to stream quite happily the England under-21 game last night on my laptop, for some reason, it would not let me connect to you. And do you know like when you're like you're out of your own environment and... You're not used to using certain different bits of equipment and things just don't go smoothly. And there's no real rhyme or reason for it. It connects one day, but it doesn't the next. And, you know, it just gets you all rolled up. And all that work that you've done to chill yourself out on a sun lounger, all those beers you've had and rums and Cokes and everything, they all get pushed to the wayside and that stress level just rises once again. But anyway, believe me, straight after we finish this podcast, I'll be straight back in that pool. I'll be on the, uh, the, the orca whale lilo with a, a pina colada and everything will be fine. That, that, that orca whale lilo, by the way, isn't a, uh, a, isn't a reimagining of Alex Crook as a lilo, right? just in case you're wondering. See, <laughs> uh, so he, he's got to get a blow in there because he knows he's let us all down this morning. Producer Jeremy is mega stressed because he's got a massive wedding to get to and Senor Matterface turns up 20 minutes late because of it's 15. internet issues. It was 15. It was 15. But yeah, you are right. I'm actually, uh, I feel, I feel bad. I feel bad. Anyway. I've got, I've got um, to say, Sam, I've got to say one last thing on this, because you're in Mallorca, aren't you? And, and we know that Cricky was, was in Portugal last week as well. And, and when yeah. I first came on and, and we were waiting for you, you know, I actually thought he had a roll neck on. I can see it's, um, it's like, it is a t-shirt, but I, there's no way he, that t-shirt got out in Portugal. Because when we watched him, whether it be on the White and Jordan or whether it be on the podcast, he was sweating like anything as well. So you can see he's yeah. back in Blighty. Right, let's get through to a big week of transfer activity. Uh, we'll start, though, with Dominic Shaboshlai because he's arrived in Liverpool for £70 million, welcomed by Chelsea's new forward Christopher Nkunku on Twitter. 
was a bit odd. Uh, I know they're mates from RB Leipzig, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just like, you know, it was a very weird phrasing thing to do when you've just walked in the door at Chelsea. Chelsea, big rivals with Liverpool. And then all of a sudden you repost his picture and going, come on, let's do this. It's like, oh, no. Rather, he didn't actually, to be honest with you. But anyway, um, <laughs> all a little bit strange. But what does Shaboshlai bring to that Liverpool midfield? I mean, I must admit, he is a player that seems to be very similar to the other players that they've got, Crook. Mm. I would agree with that. And we were talking about this, uh, you know, in between your, your sunbathing sessions that just, again, doesn't strike me as, as a player that Liverpool desperately need. I think for me... It's all about reinforcing that defensive midfield and probably finding a centre-back partner who can stay fit to play alongside Virgil van Dijk as well. I think they are trying to address that, uh, certainly in terms of the defensive midfielder, the number six, if you like, because I think Romeo Lavia looks like he could well be on his way to Anfield Liverpool, now ahead of Chelsea in the race to sign him. But Sir Bosley, I think, is an interesting one. I, I guess with the release clause, it's relatively low risk, but I think they're paying for potential. Uh, I think he's far from the finished article yet. Well, that's interesting because they bought uh, Alexis McAllister and they bought Shaboshlai. They needed to refresh that midfield, Scott. And it may well be that they end up bringing in legs in that uh, in the other areas of midfield. But they do actually have, you know, quite a good um, defensive midfield player already in Fabinho. If, if they're going to keep him and and build around him, then there's every chance that actually these two players could reduce the age profile, increase the technical ability, and give them value for years to come. Yeah, I think that's the aim, Sam. I, I, listen, Fabinho didn't have a good season last season, but then who did really? You, you can turn around and say, well, they finished the season really well so they can continue it that way. But I personally think their performances didn't necessarily re- reflect all the, the results that they had. Look, I, I, I'm with Crookie, to be honest with you. You know, the reason why Klopp and Liverpool couldn't get Jude Bellingham is because of money, because of budget. They can't, you know, fish in the pond of the big boys. So they've got McAllister, who I think is brilliant. I think is a fantastic player and a brilliant signing. Then you really need to get someone who can rival maybe a Fabinho in that when he's not playing well or if he is injured. And also we know defensively they weren't very strong. You know, what is he going to do with Trent? We saw with Trent in the summer as an out-and-out midfielder can do very well, but I don't think he'll do that. I think he'll continue to play him as a as a right back and, and, and going in as a hybrid into midfield as well. There's still so many questions, but if you have only got a certain pot to, 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 to buy players in, for me, it would be once you've got McAllister, another holding midfielder, and as Quickie says, uh, another centre-back. So, interesting. What's interesting for me is, is that I can sort of see at the formulation of a thought process taking place here. What you know is that Jurgen Klopp would have thought about this quite keenly. And although he's not going to tell you what his plans are between now and the end of the summer, I can see a scenario here where you have that Trent moving in from right back into midfield alongside Fabinho. And then you've got the two boys, McAllister and Shaboshla, just a bit further on as a box. Then you've got, your, you've, got, you've got the opportunity of your flying wingers to still do their job. And you've got your centre foot. I can just see it in my mind's eye, starting to, fo- to formulate, starting to come together a little bit. And that's what Liverpool fans are starting to see as well. They're starting to believe that actually maybe Jurgen Klopp is constructing a team despite the fact that they don't have the resources of the others and they're not being given the resources of the others. Probably a more accurate statement. Um, and listen, we spoke to Kevin Hutchard earlier this week and he, he's a big friend of our show. Uh, and he says that he thinks that Shaboshlai has got the potential to become a key player for Liverpool for many years to come. He's a really exciting player because he does a lot of the basics incredibly well. He has a ridiculously hard shot. 
He scored numerous goals like that. Big game player as well. Thought he played really well in the cup final against Frankfurt in the season just gone. Mm -hmm. Also, going back a bit, scored the goal that qualified Hungary for the Euros in 2020, Mm. even though he didn't actually play in the finals because he was injured. Mm. And somebody who's already been named as Hungary's captain in his early 20s. So Mm. it shows you the impact that he can have. In terms of where he'll play, I'm really intrigued. He's an attacking midfielder, no doubt about that. You could see him maybe operating in the kind of position that Jordan Henderson plays, Mm. uh, but he can play a bit further forward than that as well. And he's somebody who is an incredibly good passer of the ball. Just his ball striking technique in general is very, very good, whether it's a shot, a cross, a pass. And he's always trying to make things happen. He's always trying to affect the game. If you look at the metric, uh, shot creating actions, which is basically, you know, you're either creating a shot for yourself or a teammate or, or you're making chances. He's right up there mm. with the best in the Bundesliga. So, yeah, I think it's a very exciting signing. And I think it's really interesting that Liverpool are willing to commit that much money to it because they clearly see this as a guy who over the next four or five years could really blossom a Anfield. Now, I have seen that uh, Dominic Schaboschlai has been described as uh, James Ward-Prowse with a fancy name, uh, which is a little bit uh, unfair, I think. Um, but uh, we do need to talk about James Ward-Prowse and where he's going next. We'll do that in the, in, in the next few moments. You've mentioned Romeo Lavia could be heading to Anfield. The big story as far as Manchester City is concerned this week is about uh, Gvardiol, Josko Gvardiol, the centre-back and play on the left side, played in the uh, World Cup semi-finals with... Uh, uh, Croatia against Argentina. He had a really tough time against Messi on that particular night. But he is a very good defender and someone that has been pursued by quite a few Premier League clubs, Crook. Yeah, and apart from that semi-final, I think he had a good tournament. He was one of Croatia's standout performers. He's someone who's been on the radar of Premier League clubs for a long time. And I think this is probably a deal that Man City believe they can get done. Interestingly, he has a release clause of £97 million. That doesn't actually kick in until this time next year. So I think City are are trying to steal a march and and maybe get him for a slightly reduced fee. Still going to cost £85 million, from what I've been told from sources in Germany. That would be a record for a defender. Uh, But again, this is Pep Guardiola showing his muscle, trying to strengthen from a position of authority, as Sir Alex Ferguson always used to do. And we know they've got the money because, of course, they were willing to pay £90 million for Declan Rice. I think it'd be a really good signing. And, and look, I mean, the World Cup seems a long time ago now, doesn't it? But I actually don't think he... Not only do I think he had a good tournament, I'm not sure he had a bad um, game against Argentina. I think he just got done once against Lionel Messi. And, you know, there's not many players who have been on the same pitch with Messi that haven't been done at least once. <laughs> so, uh, look, I, I think he's a really good signing. I think he looked great. I think he looked really composed um, I was interested to see if anything would happen in the January window. Clearly, nothing would be because you know, his club wanted too much money. But I, there's not many positions or not many players that can come in and strengthen Manchester City. I genuinely believe he can be one of them. I think Manchester City also needed to upgrade that side of their defence, didn't they? I mean, they've got uh, Nathan Ake, who's been playing there and did very well, I thought, last season. But Laporte obviously, for whatever reason, was not one of the manager's first sort of uh, names on the team sheet. He, he seems to have fallen out of favour a little bit. And that, like you say, is, is sort of the next level. It's kicking it on. It's making them it's making them uh, move forward. It's taking them to the next level before they've had to replace someone. So they're, they're, they're sort of making the choice to move up, move people out. Laporte will end up somewhere. Where, where, will, he, will, he, where will he go, Crook? 
Uh, I was told Tottenham uh, were a potential destination for him a few weeks ago. I've not I've not chased that link up for a while, but I'll do that um, at some point this week. And that would make sense, I think, for Postacoglu, somebody with Premier League experience. I think certainly the centre of that Tottenham defence is in need of some surgery. I know we're going to speak more about Spurs later in the podcast. But yeah, so maybe, maybe a, a move to Tottenham could be a possibility. Yeah, Pulisic uh, going to leave Chelsea, the latest to leave Chelsea. So many of them are leaving Chelsea this summer. It's a proper clean-out for Maurizio Pochettino. Leon and Milan sniffing around him. Um, any developments there? I think he'll go. Um, I think at the moment, Leon's offer is higher than that of Milan. I know that Pulisic is quite keen on the Milan move, so there might need to be a little bit of negotiation to be done. But still got a lot of players to shift, haven't they? Chelsea, Aubameyang's still there. Lukaku, I think, is a problem because Inter wants to take him on loan, but Chelsea wants some kind of obligation to buy at the end of the season. He's made it pretty clear he doesn't want to go to Saudi Arabia. I spoke to somebody close to Conor Gallagher actually a few days ago because, of course, he's a player that we expect to leave. But at the moment, that's not really progressing because they're quite short in that central <laughs> midfield area. Well, that's because the there's no one to play go. in midfield. They've got Enzo Fernandez and Conor Gallagher. And, you know, with all the greatest will in the world, you can't really start a season like that, Scott, can you? I mean, obviously, they've got a plan for somebody else to come in. Mm. No, exactly, Sam. And, you know, both you and I have got a keen eye on, on what's happening there and, and they do have to cull. But, you know, there's there's positions where you need to be careful and midfield, central midfield, obviously, is the, the hub of the team. I actually, whatever happens in terms of numbers, would like Conor Gallagher to have another year. I, I think mm. he's had one year at, at Chelsea. I think it's been a very difficult year for the whole club, both on and off the pitch. So imagine how difficult it would have been for him. Uh, you know, did really well beforehand in all the clubs that he's been to. And I go back to Charlton, let alone, you know, Swansea and Palace. And, and I think it was West Brom as well. Um, give him another year and see what happens. I just don't want to continually see now because the... The hierarchy have spent so much money on a group of players. They want to go down the FFP route or they feel they have to. And what better way to do than, than sell one of your own that's come through the academy? I, because it's, it's pure profit. I don't want to see that. I want to see him given one more year and see if he can become a Chelsea first teamer. I hope they've got a plan for that midfield because at this moment in time, it looks incredibly, incredibly light. And bearing in mind, that's the, the position of the pitch where most matches are, are won and lost. It would be slightly odd for Chelsea to go into the, the new season undercooked in that area when they've sold Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Mason Mount in the, the last couple of weeks. Uh, Wilfred Zaha is a free agent. Uh, interesting that he's ended up as a free agent after all the talk and all of the rumour over years and years of him going for huge money and repaying Crystal Palace and signing a new contract so that if anyone came in, they'd get remunerated. He's now going to leave on a free which, um, you know, listen, he's been a great servant for them. I'm sure that a lot of people there will be like, OK, great. Well, he's done a good job for us over the years. Off he goes. But I don't really think this was how it was supposed to end, Crook. No, I mean, I wouldn't say it's totally ended as yet. He's still using their training facilities uh, during his rehabilitation from injury. I think their contract to make him the highest paid player in their history remains on the table. I think the most interesting element of this story is the lack of Premier League interest in Wilfred Zaha. We know there was but, an offer from Saudi Arabia. But that's always been the case, hasn't it? I mean, that has been yeah. the problem. You know, every time he signed a new contract, everyone's thought, well, someone's going to lay down 50, 60 million for him over the course of uh, a or another transfer window. But that's never really materialised. No, no, no club has ever done it. And I wonder whether or not they're slightly burnt by that Manchester United experience. Yeah, potentially. Although I think the scenario is very different now. I mean, he did handcuff himself by signing that last Palace contract. It would have taken big money to get him out. And as you say, people were reluctant to pay it. 
now that he's a free agent, yes, he's going to de- demand substantial wages. But even for a club like Newcastle, who we know are trying to balance their ambitions with financial fair play, as a free transfer, is Wilfred Zaha a more reliable option than, say, Alan Sam Maximan? I think he probably is. Yeah, but the only thing I'd say to that is a free transfer quickly. You've been saying all season about how they want to be careful with the wage bill, not just in terms of spending money, True. but also the wage bill. And and he will come at, at an absolute premium. Look, I, I think just because your contract runs out June the 30th, it doesn't mean to say that he won't re-sign again for Crystal Palace. I've, I've not Personally, I've not seen any reports either way. But I do think that now he's got to realise that you know, you're right, Sam, these Premier League clubs, are, top Premier League clubs are not coming in for him. And, and why is that? I think that what happened at Man U was then, this is now. They're two different situations. He's almost a different man in a way. But with the age he's at, even if he is a free transfer, the wages he'll want, you know, maybe the big boys won't necessarily need him. And then the next big boys don't necessarily want to pay the money for him. Well, Spurs completed another signing over the weekend. They landed Manor Solomon on a free transfer to add to the capture of James Madison. We'll take a closer look at them next and the job facing Ange Postacoglu. So Spurs have been busy. Ange Postacoglu has been on the training ground with a few returning heroes. What I thought was really interesting is that Tangi Ndombele was uh, back amongst that group as well. And after winning the, the title in Serie A with Napoli last year, you just wonder whether or not He's the sort of player that Ange Postacoglu could try and eke the best out. And this is where man management actually makes a massive difference, isn't it? Because you've had successive managers that haven't fancied him for whatever reason, probably two really sort of um, dictatorial managers in Antonio Conte and Jose Mourinho were like, no, not having him. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. He's not for us. And then you've got maybe someone like Ange Postacoglu who's a little bit uh, more... I don't know, he just seems to have a sort of more direct but yet personable style that seems to be able to elevate people. If he can elevate someone like Ndombele, they've got a very good signing there. He's obviously shown his quality. He's just won the title in Italy, Scott. Yeah, and it would almost be like a, a great signing on a free transfer almost, wouldn't it? Um, and I agree, this sort of style of managers before, you know, players, and I don't know him personally, so I, I, I'm not speaking specifically for him, but players nowadays can be very touchy in terms of, you know, if you don't show me the love as a manager, then you're not going to get the best out on me. So, look, his confidence must be high. We know he's got talent. I think even if Postacoglu ends up saying, no, you're not for me either, I think it's right for him to, to say, let's have a look. He's a, he's a guy who's on the books. He's got a lot of talent. You know, money was spent for him. And if you can get the best out of him, then that will save a lot of money elsewhere. So I think he's doing absolutely the right thing here, Postacoglu. Manor Solomon, um, impressed at Fulham in patches, but not the sort of statement signing that I think Spurs um, are looking for. That came with James Madison, I think, Crook. I think it's a good addition. You know, free transfer, proven in the Premier League, has that energy level that Ange Postacoglu demands of his players. And I think it does add strength and depth to Spurs. I've got to say, it's difficult not to feel sorry for Shakhtar in this scenario, because they've got a, what, £30 million player walking out the door for nothing because of the situation in Ukraine. I know they've appealed to FIFA because they believe, you know, if this was a normal situation, then they would have sold him a year ago. As it was, FIFA effectively allowed non-Ukrainian players to temporarily suspend their contracts, and now he's a free agent. So I think it's a difficult situation for Shakhtar, but one that Tottenham have cashed in on. Just explain that because this, the situation, as I understand it, is is that although they suspended their their contracts on the outbreak of war, 
they didn't time lapse. Is that right? So Correct. if you suspended it at the end of July, it still ran out next July if, if, if it was you know due to That's end right. in 12 months time. So what, what should have happened is that when you suspend the contract, it pauses the length of that contract, right? So when you go yeah. back, like now, for example, if that's the case, when immediately you, you start to think about moving on or whatever, if Sactile wants to sell you, they sell you from the position from which you suspended the contract rather than it being time-lapsed and it, you becoming a free transfer. It really does seem incredibly unfair. Perfectly put, Sam. Oh, absolutely spot on. And, um, you know, that's the argument that Shakhtar are making to FIFA. Not sure they're going to win, by the way. It's very difficult, isn't it, under under trade law? You know, the fact is his contract has expired. So I, I can't mm. see Shakhtar winning their case. Not exactly cricket, is it? Uh, but don't get me started <laughs> on that. Eves Basuma needs to show a little bit more quality this season as well in that midfield for Tottenham, doesn't it? Because um, that was an area once they lost Bentancur, they really struggled. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, what, what was it about this time last year or whenever he was signed, Sam? And we were looking at the, the, the sort of signings that Tottenham had made, him being one of them. What was it, 25 million? And we're thinking, wow, what a good signing that is. And yet we didn't see him again. Again, it's one of those, you know, we know with Conte, it's his way or the highway. And I, I still don't know what happened there because beforehand at Brighton, he was absolutely superb. He was running games against the big boys as well. So again... He's another one that you can come back and say it's almost like a free transfer if you can get the best out of him. This squad suddenly looks, I think Solomon is, is a squad signing, but, but Basuma could be a, a, a first eleven signing. But suddenly, if you get these players in who look like they're, they're coming back and playing well under a manager that cares for them and can get the best out of them, suddenly Spurs are looking like not just a decent team, but a decent squad as well. Well, one person who's definitely going to be in the starting eleven is James Madison after his acquisition. He sort of, I think, hit the nail on the head, really, and, and sort of going back to what I was saying at the beginning of this bit about Tottenham, hit the nail on the head when he suggested this. I spoke to Ange Postacoglu, and he said to me, whether you sign or whether you don't sign, you will see a very different Tottenham Hotspur next season. And I think that sort of confidence from a manager immediately makes you makes you want to be involved in it, right? I mean, it was a great sales pitch. It immediately wants you to, to be involved in it, but also shows that he's not going to rest on the laurels. He's not going to just accept mediocre performances. He's going to expect a lot more out of the squad. But I think James Madison really will fit into this team. You saw him at certain parts over the course of the season where he really dug in for Leicester City. Ill-judged comments sometimes after matches on Twitter and in post-match interviews. But actually, even though that was the case occasionally, I think he showed that he really did care about trying to drag Leicester out of the mire. He couldn't do it all on his own in the end. His statistics were brilliant, but the team couldn't defend. That, I mean, obviously he has some responsibility and he'll hold his hands up and take that. But ultimately... Spurs are getting a very good signing at a reasonable price here, I think. And he's just the type of player as well that Tottenham fans fall in love with because he does wear his heart on his sleeve. Uh, I think some of his interviews are brilliant. Whether you agree or disagree with him taking the social media to try and get into a row with a Leicester City journalist, that again shows his his temperament. He's a maverick. You know, I'm, I'm not comparing him to Paul Gascoigne, but he's... He's that type of maverick player that Tottenham have had in the past, a Berbatov. So I think if he if he hits the ground running, as I expect him to, and listen, he's got the work rate that Postacoglu will demand, I think quite quickly he could become quite a fan's favourite. 
Yeah, he's got the magic, hasn't he, going forward, Scott? But he's going to have to make sure that he puts in the work rate as well because it won't be tolerated to be the uh, the flair player that doesn't put it in going back the way. No, and, you know, Ange Postacoglu's sides are, you know, they're at it, but not just with the ball, but without the ball as well. But, you know, we were there the last game of the season, weren't we? And it, it was too little, too late. But I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And it was coming off the right-hand side. For me, he's a number 10. If you want him in his best position, you have him in his number 10. I think he can track back. I think someone like Postacoglu can get into his head and, and get him running back as well as running forward. I think at times when you're playing in a side that you, the players aren't quite either good enough or not playing as well as they should be and you're the standout player, you can you can lose a little bit of motivation, whereas you won't with him. You know, when, I think Brendan switched off, which is why ultimately what happens and, and, and Dean Smith came in, couldn't get the best out of the whole team. But you've got someone who's with a, 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 I'm not going to say a top, top manager because he's got to prove himself yet, but but he'll be at it 100%. I think he'll do really well at Spurs. And I, I think this can, yeah, you you know, Crook is right. He, he's not a gazer, but he's that type of player. And what you said earlier as well, I think is absolutely spot on. He cares. He may not always say things in the right way. And I think he was wrong in the argument with Rob Tanner, the, the, the Leicester journalist. I think Rob was right. But I understand what he was trying to say. So he cares. He loves playing football. He wants to play for his country. I think it's a really good signing for Spurs. I really do. What's really interesting is, is that as we are talking here, I'm thinking we're getting very optimistic about Tottenham Hotspur next season, right? <laughs> because we think the manager's a good manager. We think they're acquiring talent. I'm looking at the squad now thinking, yeah, and Richarlison can improve. So he can deliver more. He's got a manager who will try and get the, the most out of him and do that. There'll be more from Son. Son's admitted he, you know, he's been injured for most of the campaign and that knocked his confidence and that's why he hasn't performed as well as he, as he did. You've got the new signings coming in, the, the feeling of freshness in a new regime. And for a club that was, for the large part of last season, in the doldrums, feeling very down about itself, very disappointed, we're now talking about a club that actually the outlook is particularly bright for them if they grasp all of these opportunities. And at the moment, all of it is potential all of it is opportunity. What Postacoglu's job is to turn all of that into a successful campaign. So tell me what a successful campaign for Tottenham will look like, Scott. Well, again, you're absolutely right, Sam. You know, you you may be stressed, but you're absolutely spot on. Um, I think we're looking at potential here. We're looking at if this happens and if that happens and if this happens, then, then Spurs could be... I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Chelsea. You know, I, I think... The thing about Spurs is I think other clubs will improve. So, you know, Spurs have to improve a lot if they are to get into the top four. Look, top six, I think, would be decent without being brilliant. Top four would be fantastic. And obviously that elusive trophy. So, Apostol Cogley, I would imagine, I don't know him from his mindset, would be saying to the lads, look, we want a domestic trophy and we want to finish top four. And anything else is just falling a little bit short. But it doesn't mean to say they haven't had a bad season. Top, top six, I think, would be about right. Top four would be a very good season. Uh, Crook, Chelsea want to be in the top six. Liverpool want to be in the top six. City want to be in the top four. Arsenal want to be in the top four. United want to be in the top four. I mean, the list seemingly goes on, doesn't it? I mean, how does everybody, Newcastle, how does everybody squeeze into that um, top six zone and, 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 and fulfil their aim? Someone is going to fall short, aren't they? Aston Villa as well. My dark horse to watch this season, Unai Emery, I think, proved what a good coach he is. I think they've got a core 
uh, of very decent footballers. Pal Torres will be an excellent addition. There'll be more money to spend there. So uh, I actually think this season could be even more competitive in terms of the top six, top eight than last season. I really do. I think it's going to be difficult, for example. And I've got a bit of stick from Newcastle fans. Like I've you know sort of got a vendetta. I just think it's going to be very difficult for Newcastle, given their financial restraints, to do what they did last season. I, I don't see Newcastle finishing the top four. Mm, Quickly, you've got... Cookie, you got a bet, haven't you? About is it Villa and Newcastle? It is. Jim White five hundred pound that Villa finish above Newcastle. So there's, uh, yeah, there's five hundred reasons for me to hope that uh, Unai Emery can <laughs> prove himself again. But uh, I mean, and, and also, I think even in terms of the title, I'm really intrigued by what Manchester City are doing because I think Gundogan is going to be more of a loss than many people expected. Obviously, they've got Kovacic who's coming in there. They wanted Declan Rice isn't happening. Guardiola, we think, will come in. Carl Walker, does he stay? Does he go? I expect Bernardo Silva to leave. He's been trying to do that for the last couple of transfer windows. So they're in transition. And maybe that does just open the door a little bit for somebody to get a little bit closer to City this season. Who that will be, I I think as we sit here now on the 3rd of July, it's actually difficult to see who their main challenges are. Maybe Arsenal. You're not tipping the title, are you? (laughs) No, I'm certainly not. (laughs) I'm I'm looking at the bigger picture. In terms of Spurs, do I think they'll finish in the top six? Probably. Do I think they'll finish in the top four? Difficult, just because of the, the standard of opposition they're against. OK, let's look at uh, Crookie's Dark Horses. Yes, one point and one place above Spurs last season, Aston Villa. Can Unai Emery inspire the villains to an either better position this season? Um, Pau Torres, major coup, left-sided centre-half. What does that mean for Tyrone Mings, Crook? It's a brilliant question. I mean, I actually think Tyrone Minks had a really good end to the season under Unai Emery, got himself back into England reckoning. Does he go to a back three, potentially? Is that the way to, to get them both into that side? Or is this just a case of adding numbers and Minks is going to have to battle for his place? I think it'd be interesting. The, the big area that he does want to target, I know he's out wide. Uh, that, that's going to be the next signing. How many wide players have they had over the last few years? Uh, Leon Bailey. Um, one of the most recent, never really got going after a brilliant start and, and showing what he was capable of in certain moments, but never was fit enough for long enough. I mean, they they have just flattered to deceive in those areas, haven't they? Coutinho, other big earners, going to be shown the door, I think. Um, yeah. How big are Villa going to go in terms of spending? Because they've got a very different structure now. They've got Monchi in as a sporting director. Obviously, it's a short time frame from his appointment to the end of this transfer window. Is he going to be able to get enough work done to get top players into the club in this transfer window, Scott, do you think? Or is this something that is going to happen over the next couple of years? Uh, look, he'll, he'll try and get as many as he can in this transfer window, but he won't get all the, that he wants. I think it is interesting to see, you know, what's going to happen with Tyrone Mings. I think they've got, is it five centre-backs now? Mm. That's 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 way too many. And, and I don't think he will go three at the back. He doesn't normally. I, I mean, I, he can... He can certainly do that. And why would you bring in a player to say you're now going to be on the bench? I, I, I don't get it. So it's going to be interesting, is that, that one. Tielemans in. I've seen they're interested in Tyler Adams. Look, I, I think, you know, Crookie was put a little bit under pressure. I was listening to him on, on, at the time with Jim White. I, I don't think that, that Villa will finish above Newcastle, but I agree with him that I think it's going to be very difficult for Newcastle to have that kind of season and combine that with the Champions League. So in terms of Villa, again, I don't, even top six, I think, would be fantastic for them. But you've got Monchi, you've got Henry. You know that, you know, around Europe now, 
everyone is going to be covered and everyone could be coming in at some point who decent that perhaps we don't know about. So, you know, watch out, not just for this window, but for the next this, few as this well. Is a, Villa are coming. This is amazing, isn't it, really? You know, we've got 12 teams in the top six next season. It's, it's, it's going <laughs> to be very difficult for the Premier League to work that out somehow. There I, are I tell you what, Scott wasn't the only... big clubs, I think. And, you know, you were talking about Aston Villa versus Newcastle. You told us about this bit and we were all a little bit stunned by it because, look, Aston Villa themselves have got European football to balance as well. And you know what Emery's like. He loves winning a cup competition. So he will put everything into that Europa Conference League. And it's the first tour in Europe that Villa have had for a little while. So they may well end up wanting to, to, to sort of see that being some of the focus as well. Can they balance that domestic league as well? Well, I hope so, because yeah, I know you just, <laughs> it wasn't just Scott who was listening that morning. Mrs. Crook was listening in the bedroom, and I came off air and walked into the bedroom, and she, she said, have you really just bet £500 of our money? Uh, potentially. <laughs> potentially. So, yeah, he walked me into a trap, Jim, because he said, oh, are you going to bet £1,000 like I did with Mr. Jordan? And I said, well, I'm not big enough for, you know, my pockets aren't as deep as Mr. Jordan's. I should have said 100 but I went big and went five. Uh, you got cocky. Did you get cocky? You Possibly, cocky, yeah. You? you got cocky. No, you know what? It wasn't cocky. I was listening. It was. He is cocky. Like, he, went, he still he, owes me five hundred pounds, by the way, for um, failing to run the Great South Run um, in, in under an hour and a half. I think it was. I can't remember the time frame, but the time frame didn't matter because he never did it. So this was. I like had sciatica. I had a doctor's oh, yeah. note. Oh, here we go. I had a doctor's note. There's been five it's, since. It's, his doctor has the same writing as himself. Yeah. You know, that, <laughs> Absolute nonsense. He's never that, paid the I, bet. He's a welcher. So Jim better beware, actually. Yeah, no, I, I was listening. Where he went wrong was saying in the first place, I think Villa will finish above Newcastle. Of course, Jim off the back of that great bet he had with Simon was like, okay, live on there. Do you want to put some money on? So I, I think Crookie <laughs> felt he didn't, he couldn't, he couldn't back down. Oh dear. Got to be prepared for all eventualities with those two. That's for sure. Um, Jacob Ramsey, breakout season for him last year. I think he's terrific. He actually picked up an injury last night in that game against uh, Portugal for the England under-21s. But he has been terrific, hasn't he? And we'll talk about him and one of the other uh, sets of uh, stars of the talent-packed England under-21 side in just a few moments. They're in action at the European Championships in Georgia and Romania, and they're through to the semi-final. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. 
With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Well, it's a brilliant squad, isn't it, that England have assembled going into this tournament and one that looked a little bit unbalanced during uh, the first sort of glance at the squad list. You know, where are all the forwards, for example? Cameron Archer is the only number nine and he doesn't even play. And James Garner's playing at right back. I mean, the, what Lee Carsley has done with this team has been absolutely terrific because he's taken the best players and he's put them in the team and he's made them fit into a structure. And watching them over the last couple of games, I mean, they had big changes for the Germany game, but the first two games and for last night's game, first half of last night's game, second half had to dig in, really had to see the game out. But their football is brilliant. And I tell you what, there's some good players in that Portugal team. In the first half, they were made to look ordinary. Yeah, second half was a bit tenser, wasn't it? Hit the bar and mm. the goalkeeper made a couple of decent saves. I know you're a big fan of his. Um, but yeah, this is a tournament that's there for England. I mean, the semi-final, perfect opponents, a team they've already beaten comprehensively in the group stage. As you say, so much talent at that level, maybe barring the number nine and maybe that highlights a, a wider issue. And we, we've spoken about it, the lack of number nines, not just in English football, but actually across Europe, it's becoming a, a dying position in, in many ways. But yeah, it's been it's been a terrific journey to this point. I'm, I'm actually commentating the semi-final with Darren Ambrose for TalkSport 2 on Wednesday. Uh, looking forward to that. And hopefully England can take a step closer to, to winning the thing. Yeah, I thought that uh, the, the way that they sort of manipulate the ball in midfield, they keep possession well. You know, for so long, like you, you've seen England teams that can't keep possession of the football. And actually in the second half, when they were under the caution and, and possession switched and Portugal had it, the way they adapted, the way they set up, they were retreated into shape. And then when they got the chance to play, they did play their way out of trouble. Angel Gomez is playing as defensive midfield player, right? Obviously, we've talked about him for a long time. Been a young player who's been coming through the ranks, sort of on the radar of everybody, whatever. But he was absolutely magnificent in that first half. The way he takes the ball in. I mean, he, he looks like, I mean, he looks like that the a baby has just walked onto a pitch and started playing with a load of sort of seven or eight year olds. He's so small and tiny. But he's just brilliant in possession of the football. And he knows exactly where everyone is. The radar is so good. I think he's going to be a real talent. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm very loath, as, as, as you guys are talking. Um, you know, very good technically, not necessarily big. Haven't really got an out-and-out out number nine. You know, those kind of comments remind me of the, the great Spain side, mm. you know, where they, where they were the best side in the world. And as, I, I'm certainly not comparing them to that. But this is what, what England have designed, is, isn't it? This is what England have tried to do. They've they developed the EPP in order to try and sort of ape that sort of type of footballer. They want more of those players. Absolutely. You know, so so while I'm not comparing them as such to, to that particular great side, which is one of the greatest ever, perhaps only Brazil could, of 1970, could 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 rival it. That is what the aim is. So, look, I think a good number nine is fantastic. But nowadays, people don't just want a goal scorer. They want someone to play a certain style. And everyone wants to be a number 10, don't they? Even the goalkeeper nowadays. So, look, they, they, they've not conceded yet. They've got a couple of players out suspended. Yeah. And Jacob Ramsey looked like when he came off from crutches, is he going to be fit for Wednesday? I'm not sure. But as Crookie said, this is a side that you've already beaten. Um, you should have that psychological edge over them. 
and with the momentum that you're building up and actually the bigger picture to this is if they can can win a tournament in the way that you know very good england sides haven't even got out of the group stages uh, over the last 10 or so years 20 years you're learning how to win a tournament and if you can have that kind of winning mentality at the under 21 level then when you do hopefully step up to the to the main side you can almost be not necessarily one of those standout players but you know what to do and you know how to do it when you're playing for the big boys and and that's ultimately what we want um james trafford the goalkeeper has been particularly impressive he plays like a sweeper he comes out plays from the back his radar is ridiculously good he knows exactly where everybody is he picks them out his distribution's superb and sometimes i think when you've got a goalkeeper whose distribution is superb you have to worry about the fact that they can't use their hands very well but he makes great saves as well this is a very good goalkeeper and he's someone who's very confident you know He's not, he's, he's not the youngest goalkeeper. I think he's 22, actually. Maybe 21, 22. Um, but the, no, he's England only 20. Got, is, is he? England, yeah. I thought England are the only team in the competition that didn't have a player under 21. I thought that was the running that was the running joke, wasn't it? Um, according according anyway. to his Wikipedia page, he's 20. Yeah. Well, anyway, he's a very good goalkeeper and he's very, very confident. And he's um, someone who seems to think he should be playing first-team football. He's at Manchester City. There's mm. lots of clubs that are interested in him on loan. But I think someone should take a punt on him. I mean, unless Manchester City are prepared to put him as part of the first-team squad in the next few years, which at the moment doesn't look like being the case. This is a kid who is has the potential to be a fantastic goalkeeper. He's got to be on the radar of another Premier League club, at least as a loan signing for next season. Six foot six. Um, so he's, you know, he's athletic as well. Uh, it's, it's difficult, isn't it, for, for a young goalkeeper at a club like Man City? You look at Gavin Bazunu, who was massively highly rated. City made him a massive pay offer to stay. He decided he wanted to go out and be a Premier League number one and actually probably wasn't ready for it when you look at his performances for Southampton. I think he'll benefit from a year in the championship. So I think if I'm James Trafford, I'd look at that and, and maybe look for a club at the top end of the championship as opposed to the Premier League, which, as we know, can be a very unforgiving beast. Yeah, but Sam, what, what I would say to that, whether he's 20 or, or 20 in 24 months, I, I don't know. But, you know, he's young. He's a goalkeeper and he's young for a goalkeeper. Now, there's no reason why he can't still be a Premier League starter and still be a Manchester City player. Look, Edison is superb. And in the next few years, no one's getting ahead of him. But what I would say is, if he's patient, if he goes out on loan for two, three, four years, Edison's not going to be there forever. And then he could be Manchester City's goalkeeper for five to ten years. Mm. Well, I know that uh, Pep Guardioli highly, highly rates him and Cole Palmer, who's one of his teammates, was calling him world-class in the build-up uh, to the game. He, you know, he is quite sort of open. He says his long-term goal is to be playing Champions League and for England. And if you want to be in the Champions League, you'll be in the top four teams in England, whether it's Man City or any of the other big clubs, I believe I will be at that level, given the opportunity to be able to perform. He was at Bolton Wanderers last year on loan. I do think, you know, when he says next season, I'll play every week, I can't sit on the bench. I mean, that is someone with a huge degree of confidence and someone who's got a plan that they want to play football at a high level. I, I think you'll see him in the Premier League with someone next year. I've just got this feeling. Luton, potentially. Maybe. They need a new don't, goalkeeper. They don't really play that way, though, do they? Do you know no, what I mean? No, true. True. I'm, I'm just really, trying to, I'm just trying to think what teams right. need I mean, a new keeper. If you make keeper. that move, you've got to get it right. Uh, be interesting to see. Uh, Chelsea need a new goalkeeper. I, 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 top end championship. You know, for me, he's still young. You know, you're saying he was at Bolton, mm. so it's still a step up. Top end championship, and then 
you know, he's progressing, regressing. We just talked about Bazuma, perhaps a bit too early in a bottom end relegation team in the Premier League. Just, I know everyone wants to be a first team and they want to be the best club they can be at and they want to be a, you know, a four year contract on this. Just be patient. And if you're patient, as long as you're progressing, there's no reason why the long term aim is to be a Manchester City type goalkeeper. He's already there. Just go top-end championship, see how the season goes, maybe Premier League the season after. Uh, well, Israel, Spain and Ukraine, all the sides left in the competition. Spain, Ukraine and Israel, England are the two semi-finals. England will be hoping to win it. And that's James Trufford's next job. Uh, live coverage on TalkSport 2 on Wednesday night with Alex Crook and Darren Ambrose. That's it from us. Remember, we'll be back every Monday throughout the summer with all the latest transfer news, managerial changes and much, much more. Stick around, the Game Day podcast. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.